excited to be with you this morning as we kind of wrap up our summer series, People, Places, and Things. Um, I love this series because this is our opportunity to kind of jump around in the Bible to talk about people, places, and things in the Bible. And so I'm really excited to bring the word today. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The word that I'm going to bring to you today is not, this is not a word of like, I have mastered this and let me tell you what I've, I've learned. This is a, the Lord, this is the place, if I'm brutally honest and transparent, this is a place where the Lord is really doing a work in my life. Or if I'm really honest, this is a place where the Lord is showing me steadily some things in my own life and I'm really excited to bring this to you today. I've been praying for you to be, I've been praying for everyone that's gonna sit in this room. And so before we jump right on then, if you'll do me a favor, let's pray together. We just ask the Lord to come into this space. But Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for you. You are a good, good, good father. You are faithful, you are true, we can trust you, Lord. And so to, today, we just ask that you would be in these next moments with us, Lord. As we open up your word, God, would you speak to us? God, I thank you that it's not words of humans that change us, but it is the power of your word that changes us. So Lord, do your work. God, I pray that our hearts would be good soils ready to receive the seed of your word, and I pray that it would produce fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I didn't really plan this out, just kind of happened to be Communion Sunday today, but the title of my message today is, Don't Forget to Remember, which I know is a mouthful, right? But don't forget to remember. And here's actually what I need at the beginning. I need full honesty from all of you out there, because this will really help me out here. If you were really honest with yourself, and maybe you're not wanting to say it because someone sitting next to you says this a lot to you, but just let's all be honest. How many of you would say, I'm pretty forgetful? Like, I tend to forget a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, if I, both hands raised, I, I get you. You know, we're the people that leave our keys and our wallets and our phones laying everywhere, right? Um, literally a month ago or several weeks ago, I lost my purse for two weeks. I don't know where it was, and um, I would just tell people, like, I have my wallet, I don't know where my purse is. <laughs> Thankfully, I found it. Don't even know where it came from. It was just hanging up in my room one day, so I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, we're also the people that, you know, like, we're the ones that walk into a room, forget why we walked in there, and we have to walk back out, you know? We're the people who call other people, forget why we even needed to talk to them, right? We're the people who go into Target because we need that one thing. We had to have that one thing. We end up spending $50. We leave without the one thing we needed when we went in there. Uh, where are all my people at, right? Yeah, me too. And you know what's really funny about this is that for the longest time, I have prided myself on the fact that I have a really great memory. I literally was like, I'm, I, and I think it's probably because I, I can remember stories sometimes and I can remember them in pretty vivid detail, but I'm learning more and more the more transparent I am with myself. I am a very forgetful person. In fact, the other day, I gave my friend her birthday card and gift, which, you know, when I got a birthday card and gift before her actual birthday, she literally got it two months after. And it was honestly because I threw it in the back of my car, totally forgot. And every time I saw her, I'd be like, remind me. And she didn't, and I certainly didn't, you know. But, you know, I'm also realizing it's not just in the day-to-day -day stuff that I forget. I also am starting to have a really weird, like, Maybe I don't remember things quite like they really happened. You know, I bet many of you guys think that. Um, so I have the privilege of working with the youth, right? And a lot of times I'm always trying to find common ground with them, share, you know, share stories or whatever. 
And so a lot of times, and I don't know why, maybe because it just, for whatever reason, I bring up this place that used to be in Evans, Georgia. How many of you guys remember Crystal River Water Park? How many of you have lived long enough in Augusta, you remember Crystal River Water Park? I bring this up all the time, okay? I, for, I loved Crystal River Water Park. In fact, I remember just feeling like the best day of my life was the day that we all got to go to Crystal River Water Park. You know, water park, slides, tons of fun. In fact, I grew up going to daycare, and our daycare in the summer would rent out the water park. It was my most favorite day of the year. I was like, I just can't wait to get in that space. I just loved it, you know, and it's funny because I was talking about Crystal River Water Park the other day. Somebody was like, well, why, what, what made it so great? I mean, like, like, was there something really crazy? And I was like recalling some of the rides, and I mean, as sure as I was standing there, a memory came to my mind, and I was like, whoa, that happened? And I had this memory, and it, it, this is an actual f- fact that this did happen. My mom, so I wasn't a great swimmer growing up, so anytime we would go to Christopher Water Park with my daycare, my mom was a chaperone. Um, and so one time we went, and my mom was a chaperone, and we went on this one ride. This ride wasn't a really crazy ride. Essentially what this ride did is you sat on a tube and you got into this, um, it was almost like a pool of water, like a little lazy river of sorts. And you just kind of ride on your tube until you get to the rapids and the rapids would like usher you into a new pool. And you would sit in that pool and then you'd go down and you'd do like five levels of this. Easy ride, no big deal, right? So my mom's with me, we're on this ride. Also, all of my friends, best day of my life, right? Because Christopher Water Park, best place ever. And I, rem- I have this memory of like, I was on this ride. And I remember, you know, getting on my tube, I'm in the pool, you know, it takes me to the next one. I'm like, okay, this is great. And like, go into the next pool, you know, whatever. And at the very end, it spits you out into a much larger pool. And that's actually where you get out and you get off the ride. And for whatever reason, where we were, a cluster of us kind of got together and I got bumped on my tube and I started flipping around as I went down the like cascade into the next pool. And before I knew it, my tube had actually flipped over and I was, I, I mean, I can recall feeling like I am dying. I was flailing my arms. I'm like, I'm dying. I'm going to die at Christopher River Water Park. All my friends at daycare are going to see me. This is not how I intended to go down. You know, all the thoughts are happening. This had to have been like 10 minutes long. Sure it wasn't. And I'm like, I'm literally freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I can hear in the distance a voice calling out to me going, just stand up. And I was like, is this God? Is it heaven? Is this what it's like? We stand up in his presence? I don't know. And I hear it again, and I'm like, should I just stand up? I mean, it just dawned on me, I need to stand up. And sure enough, I stood up, and how about the water came to my knees, okay? So I was drowning in a pool full of water that I could have easily just stood up in. And it's just so funny, and I tell you that because I have remembered Crystal River Water Park in a way for a long time. I've actually talked about how great it was, it was the best, you know, best park ever, whatever. And as soon as I remembered that memory, I started to remember the fact that during the time of daycare in Crystal River Water Park, there used to be these old wives' tales that would come out about it, you know, like, don't go in the black hole ride, you know, a girl lost her finger, you know, and I, you, things like, I just, I'm like, so this place that I thought was like really great probably wasn't all that great. In fact, it got closed down because of insurance issues, you know what I'm saying? And it's just wild to me how easy it is for us to misremember, right? 
We can think that we, we know all this stuff about this one thing. It could actually be totally different than we even knew. And it's wild and crazy to me how easy it is for us to forget. It just is. For all of us in this room, whether or not you raised your hand or you didn't, it's so easy for us to forget. And what's even wilder is the fact that it's so easy for us to get in a time where remembering is easier than it's ever been. I, I literally, I remember you know, a time when if I wanted to have a play date with the person next door, my mom would have to pull out a paper calendar out of her purse. Like she, you know, this huge purse she'd carry around to get a paper calendar, she'd have to write it down. Or if we needed an address, she'd get out her address book. And now you have this wonderful thing, a small computer that fits in your pocket and you don't have to remember anything. You, you can literally write down every single appointment. It will remind you. You can talk to Siri and she'll help you out. She'll remind you. She'll call people for you. You can program numbers in there so you never have to remember another phone number ever. I can still recall my landline growing up. It's like things that, you know, I just, that don't even need now. You can literally subscribe on Amazon and sign up for Amazon to send you household items that you need so that you never forget. You can buy a little thing called Alexa and she'll sit in your house and she'll do all kinds of things for you. And it's so crazy how e we, that we live in a time where it's so easy for us to remember and yet how quickly we forget. We're all sitting here and if we're all really honest, we remember the thing, we, we don't remember the things we need to and then we remember things that we don't really need, you know? It's like the other day I was getting ready to take my medicine. I couldn't remember if I'd actually taken it that day. So of course I did what everybody does. I have to lay them all out and just count them one by one. And I, I literally couldn't remember if I had taken the medicine that I had, I had taken two hours before. I could sing to you though every song of New Kids on the Block from the 90s. Uh, to this day, I'm pretty sure I could stand up here and recite every lyric. It's just wild how easy it is for us to forget things, right? And today, because we are in people, places, and things, we're going to be landing in the book of Deuteronomy, okay? And in the book of Deuteronomy, we're gonna be looking at a people called the Israelites. Now, if you've been in church ever, maybe you've heard of the Israelites, but the reason why we're gonna look at them today is because they have the exact same problem that you and I have today. They forgot. Over and over and over again, they forgot. In fact, the whole story of the Israelites from Exodus to Deuteronomy, if you had to boil it down and summarize it into one word, the word could literally be forgetfulness. Because we will see from Exodus to Deuteronomy over and over and over again, they will forget the things that God has done in their life. Now, in order for us to kind of jump into Deuteronomy, we do kind of need to look back at Exodus we need to see what's happened in the lives of these people. But if you open up the book of Exodus, you'll find that the Israelites are living in Egypt. They're in Egypt because there's been a famine. And so here they are. And now they have repopulated. There's a lot of them in, in, Israel, in Egypt. And so the Pharaoh of the time, he gets pretty threatened by all these Israelites living in Egypt. He's afraid that they're going to, you know, side with their enemies. And so he decides that he's going to put them in bondage, in slavery. So that's what he does. He puts all the Israelites in this very oppressive, very harsh slavery. And in fact, if you go back to Exodus, you'll find that the Israelites 
are groaning and crying out for help. And in fact, the word talks about that God heard their cries, remembered his covenant with Abraham, and was concerned for them. So God has heard their cries, he's concerned, and so he commissions a man named Moses to go and free his people. Now Moses is also an Israelite. By providence of God, he is living in the house of Pharaoh. And now at this point he's run away and God meets with him and he says, Moses, I'm calling you to go to my people and tell Pharaoh to let them go. Now Moses and God, they have this dialogue, right, where God is, you know, Moses is like, God, it can't be me. I'm not great at speaking, like just send somebody else, you know, and God over and over tells him, no, you're going to go. And when you go, you're gonna tell them that I am is the one who sent you. I'm gonna be with you and you're gonna go. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. (laughs) And you know what Pharaoh says to him? No. (laughs) He's like, we like them working for us. We're not gonna let them go. And while God is continuously faithful to the people of Israel, the Israelites will repeatedly forget God's faithfulness, his character, his goodness, his commands, the awesome deeds that he's gonna do, over and over and over again, we see that they forget. In fact, they're going to forget how God sent 10 plagues into Egypt to kind of help free the people. And it's after these 10 plagues that that Pharaoh is finally, he relents and says, okay, take them, take your people, get out of here. They're gonna forget the fact that as they left and the Egyptian armies were chasing after them, God parted the Red Sea, literally a sea, a a body of water just kind of came up as curtains on both sides and the Israelites walked across on dry land. They're gonna forget that. They're gonna forget that God was a cloud by day for them and a pillar of fire by night. He literally led the way. They didn't have to wonder where they were going, he led them. They're gonna forget the fact that every time they cried out that they were hungry or they were thirsty, God provided manna and meat and water. His provisions were great. They did not lack anything. But they're going to forget over and over and over. And I don't know about you, but when I read the book of Deuteronomy, I can kind of feel like, you know, like what's happening here? You know, like what's going on? I think Moses may have been like a youth pastor in his former life because I totally get it because what's gonna happen in Deuteronomy is they're actually gonna get ready to go into this promised land that God has promised these people. They're actually about to go in and after four decades of wandering in the desert because of their forgetfulness, because of their disobedience, their hard-heartedness, they're actually about to go into this place. But Moses says, wait, 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 in Deuteronomy. He's like, there are some things we need to talk about. It's kind of like in youth ministry when you announce that there's gonna be a really big game where there's pizza there. It's like everybody just wants to get up and go crowd. And you have to say, well, wait, wait, you need to know the instructions, right? That's what Moses is doing. And so Moses calls all the people around him and he starts to give these speeches to them. And in these speeches, he's reminding them of the Lord's commands. He's instructing them to obey. And he's telling them emphatically, don't forget to remember, don't forget to remember. In fact, we're gonna read some passages from Deuteronomy. The first one is from Deuteronomy 4.9, it says, 
Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 through 12, it says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to you, a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then when you eat and you are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He goes on in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses one through two, he says, be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and you may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord led you all the way in the wilderness those 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So over and over and over again, Moses is saying, remember. Or he's saying, don't forget. Either way, he's saying, you need to remember. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the story of the Israelites and, and the great exodus and how God took care of them and all these mighty wonders and deeds that he did, when I look at the book of Leviticus and how God is teaching them how to be holy and pure, to be set apart, or how in Numbers, even in their wondering because of their hard-heartedness and their disobedience, God still provides for them. When it gets to Deuteronomy, I don't know about you, but I'm like, this is ridiculous. How many of you ever think about that when you read the book of, you know, when you read about the Israelites in the book of Exodus? Like, this, how ridiculous are these people? You know, I got saved when I was 10 years old, and I remember being in a Sunday school classroom, hearing these stories for the very first time, because I, I didn't know anything before that, I didn't know. And I was hearing these stories about how God parted the Red Sea. You know, my, my Sunday school teacher, she had a flannel graph and the, the visuals were wild. And I was a little kid like, you're so, he did what? God did what? He parted a sea? These people walked across dry land? What? You know, like the fact that he provided manna, I used to think manna was Quincy Rolls, yeast rolls. It wasn't, that's not. Um, but I was like, they had Quincy Rolls and they complained, you know? Like, I just remember being like, I don't know. Like, how could they do this? It seems ridiculous. And you know what's really crazy about all of this is that you and I, if we're really honest, we do the exact same thing. In our spiritual lives, we do the exact same thing. It's interesting because um, I was doing some research on this topic and do you know, um, I actually found this to be quite interesting, that the most men one, one of the most mentioned commands that God gives us in his word is to remember. If you, if you open your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, one of the most mentioned things that God tells us over and over again is to remember. It's not, you know, have hope or joy, you know, all that. All those things are really great. But he over and over and over again tells us, remember. And it's a stern command. This isn't like a, hey, if you feel like it, you know, like if you're up for it, you should just remember. You know, he's like, no, you need to remember. You know why? Because God knows that we're forgetful. God knows us. He knows that we forget because 
the reality is the story of the Israelites, this is the story of the human condition, the sinful nature of man. The sinful nature of all of us is to forget. And I think it's, it's so interesting. And in full transparency, this is something that I struggle with. You know, I, I had this example, it's a thought that came to my mind, and it's going to seem trivial to you, but it really isn't to me. You know, several years ago, probably about five years ago now, I owned a car called a Nissan Juke, okay? Now, if you own a Nissan Juke in this room, just disregard what I'm about to say, okay? I bought this, and, and I do think it's probably good to let you know, I don't have luck in purchasing cars. I've learned that the hard way. But I bought this Nissan Juke. It was the first year, the first model. And this car was horrible. In every sense of the word, it was horrible, okay? In the first year, I had to have my engine rebuilt. Um, every sensor that could possibly go out in this car did. Sometimes they would do it together as like a symphony to me, you know? I, I would literally get so scared to come out to my car because I didn't know whether or not it would crank and take me to where I needed it to go. Literally, my, it was part of my prayer time, like, Lord, just let it crank today. Um, just, it had a mind of its own. I felt like every time I was just kind of like, I, I didn't want to sneak up on it, you know, in the mornings, like, hi, are we going to go to work today? You know, I, this is kind of how I lived. And eventually my air conditioning went out in this car, which it had done for the second time. The automotive repair guy was like, it's going to be about $1,500 to repair it. My car was worth 2000. I was like, this feels like a sign, you know? And so I traded it in to my Surprise, someone wanted to buy it. And um, I was like, whatever. <laughs> and I bought a new car. Now, the car I have, I really, really love. But I knew when I purchased the car, um, it's not one of those get up and go kind of cars, okay? It takes me a hot minute to get to going on the interstate, okay? It's not a zero to 60 kind of car. And you know what's so crazy? Is I had a thought the other day, because we went to camp, so I had to take my car on a long journey to Tennessee, and no sooner we started out, I thought, I hate this car. I hate this car. And it dawned on me, like, what am I saying? Two years ago, I was wondering if I was going to get to work on time. And this little car, and as much as it tries on the interstate, it gets me every time, every single time. And it's like the most dependable thing ever. And you know, it's funny, two years ago, I forgot what it was like to have a car that would just be dependable. And here I am with a dependable car, and guess what I've done? I have forgotten what it was like to have a car that wasn't, okay? That seems like a trivial, trivial example, but this is what we do in our spiritual lives. In full transparency, I also do this in my spiritual life. I can tell you this. If you and I were to go to coffee one day, and we were to sit down, and we were going to talk about our lives, I could for hours, I feel like, talk to you about the faithfulness of God that I have seen in my life. I really could. I could tell you of the ways that God has opened doors where I thought there was no possibility. You know, my dad died when I was pretty young, and I, I could tell you stories of people who came and who loved on us and brought meals. I could tell you stories when we were worried about, like, food being on the table that he provided, I could tell you stories of when we worried about whether or not our house was going to get paid and someone decided to write us six months of rent, you know, for our house. I could tell you of stories when I have been so discouraged and the Lord brings somebody with the word that it's like, how did you even know? 
I could tell you story after story. I could tell you stories about how my, my mom was healed of cancer. I could tell you stories of how I was hurt and alone and God brought me people and community into my life. I could tell you tons and tons of stories. But guess what? A couple of weeks ago, if we're just gonna be really honest here, there's a situation going on in my life, a place where there's something that I really want. And I even feel like it's a good thing. And I even feel like maybe God is like, it, there's been some, I feel like he wants me to have it, but it hasn't happened yet. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting across from my bosses in their office, sobbing, literally saying, will God come through? I felt incredibly hopeless. Like, is he gonna do it? Does he care that I'm hurting? You know, is he, is he gonna come through like I thought he would? Why does this hurt? Why isn't it the time that I thought it was gonna be? Why, why am I waiting? And how, and this is like, we can get on, we can like look at the Israelites and think how ridiculous are you, but we do it too. I can sit there and tell you of the faithfulness I've seen in God and two weeks ago I was like, is he gonna come through? Because the reality is, is that for all of us, we have this tendency to forget. Now, I think it's really important here for us to clarify forgetting, okay? Because when I say forgetting God, what I don't mean is, is I don't mean that this forgetting, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in God, okay? When we talk about forgetting the things of God, it's not that we're not believing in him. I think sometimes when we're young in our faith and we have these times where it's like, we're, it's hard to forget the, the things that God has done, the faithfulness of God, we can think, we can kind of freak out and think, oh, well, I must not love him, I don't believe in him, and it, it you know, puts our faith at ground zero and we kind of freak out. That's not it, okay? Because we forget doesn't mean that we don't believe in God. Forgetting, this forgetting, also doesn't mean that he's not important to us. Because importance doesn't always trigger memory. And I can prove that because how many of you in here have ever had a friend, a really, really good friend, someone that you love, you did a lot of time with, and you forgot their birthday? It's happened to me. There's people that I love with all of my heart and I have forgotten their birthdays. It doesn't mean that I don't think they're important if I don't forget. It's kind of like this. You can forget to pay your water bill, but that doesn't mean that running water isn't important to you, okay? Importance, right, forgetting doesn't mean necessarily that it triggers our memory. So we're not talking about actually forgetting that God exists. The forgetting I'm talking about, it's more like we're losing our awareness of his presence in our everyday lives. We talk about forgetting the things of God. This is what it is. For most of us in here, for all of us in here, when we forget the things that God has done, what happens is we are losing this awareness that God is in my everyday life. He's with me when I go to school and when I go to work. He's involved in every single aspect of my life. And the problem is, is that when we lose this awareness of God's presence in our everyday lives, when, when disappointment comes and when storms come, because they do, what happens is if we're living in this cycle of forgetting, we don't have anything to grab a hold of. And then what ends up happening is we really go down this road of despair and it feels hopeless. But really it's just because we've forgotten the things of God. 
And what it is, is it's almost like we detach from what we know to be true deep down about God. And this is why Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is why God, in all of his word, commands us to remember. Because remembering cannot be something that we passively do sometimes when we feel like it. Remembering has to be a discipline. It has to be a discipline. Now, we all know that a discipline is something that we do on purpose even when we don't feel like it, right? If I wanted to lose weight, I know then that means that I have to be disciplined in what I eat and how often I work out, okay? If I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord, I know that there are disciplines that I need to have in my life. I need to read his word. I need to be engaged in prayer. Well, just like we have those disciplines, remembering has to be a discipline. And it's really important because we've already established that God commands it over and over again. And we've also established the fact that we easily forget. So if you put those two things together, we gotta have a plan. And that is what is remembering. It needs to be a discipline in our life. It needs to be this, this thing that we keep the truth of scripture and the experience of our God at the forefront of our mind. That, that's really what this is. So why, why is it then that we need to have the discipline of remembrance? Because we've said we, we gotta have it, right? Then why? why? Why is it that we need to have this discipline? Well, Moses is gonna point out a couple of things to us in the book of Deuteronomy. And the first thing is that remembering keeps pride out. Remembering keeps pride out. Moses warns the Israelites over and over and over again that the danger of forgetting is the fact that it will lead to pride. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses 10 through 14 and then 17 through 18, this is what Moses says. When you have eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his degrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you are satisfied, and when you build fine houses and you settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and your gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Moses is showing us right here that if we forget the things of God, if we lack this awareness of his presence in our everyday life, if we fail to recall the ways that God has in our life provided, where he's been faithful, where he's given you provisions, if we fail to do this, what's gonna happen is, over time, pride will sneak its way in. And that, that's what he's showing. He, he's saying like, if you don't remember the things of God, what's gonna happen is you're gonna go into that land, you're gonna start eating the foods, and you're gonna be like, wow, this is really good, right? You're gonna start building some homes and you're gonna be like, wow, look at this home I built, you know? Like, look at all that I have. 
And what's going to happen is you're going to start to think, I did it. Look at what I did. And the, Moses knows that the, the temptation here is that they would become self-satisfied and think that all the success they have is because of what they've done. And the reality is we can do this too in our own lives. When we forget the ways that God has come through and we forget the things that he's brought us out of, when we forget the fact that we are saved by grace, that there's nothing we could have done to earn it, but he did it anyways, that he demonstrated his love for us and that he sent his son, when we forget those things, what happens is we start to live our lives without him. He's not present in our everyday life. And so we build a life without him. And as we build this life without him, we start to think that our life is about us. That actually I'm controlling everything. That if I want more, I'll just work harder. Look at all the things that I have. Look at all the things that I've built. And pride comes in. The problem is, is that pride causes us to think, I don't need him. That, that's really what it does. Pride says, I don't need God. And so we, we live our lives without him. And the danger here is that the Bible is very, very clear on how God deals with pride. In fact, in James chapter four, he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That actually when pride comes in, when we allow pride to come in, that it actually puts us in direct opposition to God, that he actually comes against us. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna live in direct opposition to God. It's a very dangerous place for us to be. And so when we, when we have this discipline of remembering in our lives, when we have decided that even when we don't want to and even when we don't feel like it, I'm going to remember the things that God has done for me, whether that's journaling it, whether that's saying it, whether it's telling your story, every time that you do that, what you're doing is you are breeding humility in your life. You are telling yourself, I didn't do anything for it, he gave it to me. The house that I live in is his. Every bit of food that he gives me, it's his. Everything, every blessing that I have, it goes back to him. That is what it sets us up to do when we keep remembrance at the forefront. It sets us up to be humble before him. And that's what God is asking. He's asking for a people who are humble. The second thing, that the discipline of remembering does is remembering enables us to hope accurately. There is a lot of power in remembering. Can I tell you this? The power of remembering is not so that we could just be nostalgic about like, oh, all the good things that God has done, but the power of remembering causes us to have a right orientation with God. And what that looks like is that it informs our position with him. In fact, I saw this quote, I really loved it. It says, hope is kind of like future remembering. It is looking at the past, taking account of how God has acted in real time with real people and real circumstances and applying all that we have learned to the future. So this is what this looks like. Stirring, remembering stirs up hope. Hope gives us expectation. So what it looks like in our lives is that when I am faced with a situation, let's just take mine for example, that I'm, I literally am like, God, are you gonna come through? Are you gonna do this thing, this thing that I really, really want, and it's not even a bad thing, I, I just really want it. Are you gonna do it? Are you gonna come through? If I don't position myself to remember, what will happen is, is that I will form 
a hopelessness. However, if I position myself in remembering what it says to my hope is that I can have hope because the God of my past is the God of my present. Why would I ever think that the God who came through in all the ways that he has in my past wouldn't come through today? And not only that, wouldn't come through in my future. And so as I begin to remember the things of God, it actually positions me to have hope. And a real hope. It's a really, really beautiful thing. And I think so many of us in this room, we don't live with expectation. If we're honest, nothing in our life feels like there's expectation there. And I wonder if some of it is because we have allowed God's presence to not be in our everyday life. We're failing to look at the ways that God has been faithful. We're failing to remember the things that he's done in the past. And the last point that I wanna make here is that the discipline of remembering encourages the next generation. Moses begins to tell them, listen, remembering not only shapes you, but it shapes the generation that's coming. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses 20 through 25, he says, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? This is what you're to tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out, he brought us out there to, to bring us in and to give us a land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all of his laws before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Moses is actually saying, the generations coming need to hear the stories of how God has been faithful. Amen. Let me tell you this, every single one of you in this room, whether you are the oldest person in the room, the youngest person in the room, there is a call on each of us to live generationally. We are called to generations. Whether or not you believe it, know it, you are. And Moses here is reminding us that when we practice remembering, that it actually encourages the generations before. Moses is telling them, listen, your children didn't see the way that God parted the Red Sea. You gotta tell them. You have to tell them. And my fear is, is that as a church, because we don't have this discipline of remembering, we have forgotten to tell the stories of how God has come through and we have generations that are coming up and they're disillusioned with the church and they don't want to have any part of it. In fact, if you do any kind of studies on Generation Z, this is seven, seven years old through 27 years old. This is the people that I work with every day. You know the number one word that they are using to describe Generation Z is anxious. Anxious. They are defined by anxiety, or at least that's what the research is saying. I can also tell you that this is the first post-Christian generation that has been. They are two times more likely to be atheists than any other generation before, and two out of three of them are leaving or have already left the church because they are disillusioned, 
because they see what we do on social media, how we fight, they see the hypocrisy, they see it all, and they have a lot of questions. And the problem is, is the church, we have forgotten to have this discipline of remembering, so we have let whole generations go, and we're not telling the stories of how God has been faithful in our generation. And they need to hear it. Can I tell you something? When I sit with the youth that I meet with, they do not want me to tell them all the wisdom that I have. They want me to share my stories about how God is faithful. Because when they hear the stories of how God is faithful, they become curious and they ask, who is this God? Who is this God that you talk about? I wanna know him. And can I tell you something? Whether you're old, young, whatever, you are called to somebody and you have to tell them. If you're a parent in the room, your calling is to your children. If you are not having spaces where you are remembering the ways that God has been faithful to you, I would encourage you to do it. I can't think of somewhere better to start than in the home, to sit down together with your kids over the dinner table and say, hey, let's talk about something God has done this week for us. Let's talk about the ways that God has been faithful. Let me tell you about that time where I didn't think he was gonna come through and he did. It matters. A generation is waiting for us to remind them of the goodness of our God. So we're gonna, we're actually gonna close today, so if you'll stand with me. And as we close, my question to you today is where are you when it comes to remembrance? If you're really honest with yourself today, where are you? Maybe you would say, if I'm really honest, I know that I'm lacking the awareness of God in my everyday life. I'm living in a state of forgetfulness. I, I know I am. Or maybe pride has already kind of entered in, right? And you know that you're dealing with pride or, or may, you know, whatever that is today. Can I tell you something? That I have been praying for you. And today, if you are sitting here and you're going through something really, really tough, because in a room this size, the reality is, is that there's a lot of us. And maybe you're standing here today, and if you were really honest, you would say, I am tired, I feel anxious, I am worried. There's something that's on my mind that I can't, I can't let go of. I have this problem, there's this brokenness that I need to do, I need dealt with, I need provision in this way. Can I tell you something? We've prayed for you too. And here's what I believe today. So many of us, we come into church and what we want is we want God to do a new revealing, right? We want him to reveal something new to us, God. And that's all, that's great. But my prayer for you today has not necessarily been that God would do some fresh new revealing to you. My prayer for you today is that today you would be reminded, that you would be reminded that there is a God who loves you who comes after you, that you would be reminded that the God of your past who came through in every single way is the God of your present and he is the God of your future. That thing that you are worried about, that thing that it makes you anxious at night, why would God be faithful in the past and not in your future? That is not who he is. And you need to be reminded of that today. Today, you just need to know that God loves 